0: You are listening to the audio version of Seeking the Hidden Thing with Kryptos. Towards a Theology of Netter One of the ideas emergent in a dissident right is the tactic of having no enemies to the right. Many are troubled by this. Should they be? Is this something Christians can embrace? No Enemies to the Right Perhaps this is the first time you are hearing this phrase. If so, you may be in for a bit of a culture shock. This is not a nice discourse. It gets into the category of doing hard things and facing the tough realities of resisting the regime successfully and not just in theory. So what is no enemies to the right? Netter for short. It is primarily a calculated tactical political decision to cease policing our right wing boundaries. It is the choice not to react to regime tactics, to their bully attacks against our political allies, to their attempts to smear us evil and outside the boundaries of civil discourse. Is it a choice not to continually throw our people under the bus because the regime has slapped a label on them using their own categories, their own rules? There is an impulse among conservatives to desire a politics of morality we take the high road but when you allow your opponent to determine the content of that morality you can guarantee that he does so to punish you politically to hammer you with your own mantle of integrity rendering you neutered ineffectual and hypocritical so how should conservatives traditionalists and rightists respond especially if christian should we abandon our principles should we become as ruthless as our opponents should we pursue power paying no attention to the cost, to ethical concerns. Do the ends justify the means? Should we be willing to get down in the gutter and get dirty in order to win? Should we be willing to shelter disagreeable and unpleasant people, those who, in more settled times, would obviously be considered beyond the pale? I would argue, as I have done elsewhere, that there can be no hard and fast rule, either yes or no. It depends upon the situation." You won't know until you get there. But it must be said, defeating the regime likely cannot be done without opening ourselves to a range of political ideas, actions, and actors that many today who live in the realm of polite company, even if that polite company is conservative and Christian, would consider out of bounds. So let's walk ourselves through a practical, real politique, Christian understanding of No Enemies to the Right. Where does this netter idea come from? It's based on a reciprocal principle, nettle, which can be traced all the way back to the French Revolution. In his 1928 classic, The French Revolution, A Monarchist History, Pierre Gaxot describes the inexorable logic of revolutionary progress. The revolutionary period was categorized by allowing successive avant-garde parties or factions to take political power while riots and disturbances in the streets dictated the actual government policies that we adopted. Against the royal court and the privileged classes, the members of the National Assembly appealed to the turbulent sectors of the capital. Even while privately deploring the excesses committed from July 13 on, they closed their eyes to them because they wanted to hold and reserve the power of the clubs and of the streets. Thus they became prisoners of the alliance they had made They became prisoners of the formula, no enemies to the left. Pas d'ennemis et gauche. This notion gained real fixedness in the consciousness of the left when the phrase was cemented in their lexicon by Alexander Kerensky in the period leading up to the Bolshevik Revolution. The idea is pretty simple, actually. You cultivate, maintain, and protect radical activists aligned with the broad direction of your movement. Movement is itself an interesting word. With the notion of human progress working in the background, the very idea of a movement is then tied to this concept that we are ever moving forwards towards an ever better future. You only ever need a movement on the progressive left. Today's radical manning the front lines of the movement, producing what seems like far out crazy ideas, becomes tomorrow's policy prescriptions and laws. The left does not worry about setbacks or hurdles because they know that there is a ready supply of radicals who will continue to push the Overton window of acceptable political discourse and policy ever leftwards towards the progressive future. There is no true pendulum swing, even if for a time there are roadblocks, they just regroup and try again later. If you think that things have gone too far, the movement will leave you behind. We hear again and again people who say that they did not leave the left, the left left them. They will still see themselves as progressives, just not that progressive. The left does police its boundaries, just not its radical left-wing boundary. They police their right-wing boundaries. There can be no going back. There can be no standing still. If you remain in one place and the movement moves on, you very quickly discover that yesterday's radical left position is now considered too right-wing for polite company. You must be cut loose or even cancelled. There can be no stopping the movement of progress. At the same time that the left encourages and harbors its radicals while being willing to jettison those who are now insufficiently progressive, conservatives and the right typically engage in a similar act. They tend to embrace those who are newly disaffected by and jettisoned from the mainstream left while at the same time policing their right-wing boundary, making sure that they continually condemn those whose ideas are considered too radically right-wing. The biggest bugaboos are those surrounding race, gender, and sexuality. Excuses are given that we need to have a big tent, or that we need to win over the moderates. The moderates typically fall into the category of leftists who couldn't embrace the current radicalism and have now been left behind but they are never asked to convert to a more rigorous and doctrinaire conservative position. Thus, you end up with weird groups like gay conservatives. In practice, when these newly embraced, not quite radically left leftists, begin taking up positions of influence, and they are often given positions of favor and influence because they are seen as converts when they are nothing of the sort, they begin to exert pressures to police the right-wing boundary of conservatism, setting lines of demarcation that move ever more leftward. Thus, you get arguments for the conservative case for transgenderism and the like. Especially in regards to social issues, drawing a strictly conservative, let alone a Christian position, is never ever on the table in any serious policy discussion. You have to keep quiet about your desire to criminalize abortion because such talk, we are told, hinders the debate. Why does this happen? Why does the political right in the West, but especially in America, seem incapable of drawing clear ideological boundaries, insisting that people either convert or that they keep their less than 100% conservative ideas to themselves? Sure, absolute ideological rigidity is probably not tactically wise. We do need to be able to deal with the world practically as it is. But why do we seem incapable of drawing a clear line of demarcation? The left has its overarching principles of progress, equality, and freedom from all unchosen bonds. Why does the right not have a similar set of core principles? In large part, it is cultural. All of the core ideas of our culture since at least the enlightenment have been built around this grand idea of human progress. Whether it is in terms of science, technology, the market, politics, or social conditions, we have this grand unifying principle of progress. The group that we think of as the left are generally oriented around the idea of social progress, whereas those who are on the right have generally oriented themselves around economic process, progress. Both share in the same pool of Enlightenment ideas of which Jacques Ellul says this, These common presuppositions of bourgeois and proletarian are that man's aim in life is happiness, that man is basically good that history develops in endless progress and that everything is matter. This cultural impulse is expressed through a number of myths upon which most of our society is built, including our politics. In, a society, in our society, the two great fundamental myths on which all other myths rest are science and history, that is progress, and based on them are the collective myths that are technical man's principal orientation. The myth of work, the myth of happiness, which is not the presumption of happiness, the myth of the nation, the myth of youth, the myth of the hero. The fundamental orientation of this great movement and these myths means that there is strong cultural pull towards that which is seen to participate in the grand movement of human progress. Everything must be made to seem like it advances human progress. Thus, there was a time not too long ago that the conservative position on the environment and global warming was that we must resist all the efforts of the environmentalist movement to restrict our economy or our standard of life in any way. What we needed to do was to unleash the power of science and the market, letting our smartest and brightest figure out a way to make commercially viable products that would then clean the environment while increasing our wealth and prosperity. It is why Ellul would say in regards to propaganda messaging, propaganda is forced to build on these propositions and to express these myths, for without them nobody would listen to it. And in so building, it must always go in the same direction as society. A propaganda that stresses virtue over happiness and presents man's future as one dominated by austerity and complication would have no audience at all. What this means in practice is that the messages which resonate in our culture are those which stress progress, prosperity, and ease. You are going to enjoy a bigger, brighter, better, more humane, and prosperous future, all without any cost to you. Conservatives and the right, if they wish to find receptive ears, must cast their political vision in terms that respect the fundamental progressive nature of society. Because the myth of progress... Propaganda must be associated with all economic, administrative, political, and educational development. Thus, the general trend towards socialization can neither be questioned nor overridden. The political left is respectable. The right has to justify itself before the ideology of the left in which the rightists participate. All propaganda must contain and evoke the principal elements of the ideology of the left, In order to be successful. What this means in practice is that any truly conservative, traditional, or right-wing politics is simply out of bounds in our culture. At best, it is considered backwards. As a conservative, you are essentially an opponent of progress. So if you you wish your so-called conservatism to find a listening ear, you must present it in a fashion that makes it seem progressive and forward-thinking. Because of the fundamentally progressive nature of Western society and its core myths, conservatives can easily be propagandized as the enemy of society, the reason why it is failing to progress sufficiently. This dynamic is a big contributor to why conquest's second law remains in force in the West. Any organization not explicitly right-wing sooner or later becomes left-wing. In a society dominated by images, narratives, and propaganda, the political left, broadly defined, aligned with the core narratives, the core myth of our society, is able to easily use this underlying cultural dynamic as a method of control, a way to silence and neuter any who might resist the regime and the pull of the broad culture upon which its power rests. Conservatives and others on the right may not like to hear this, But liberalism conceived of broadly, including the 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 we-need-to-be-faithful-to-the-intents-of-the-founders variety of liberalism, is the will of the people. Before it can fully understand its place and role in society, conservatives and the right must see that the current regime governs in line with the will of the people. The broad spectrum of mainstream politics in America ranges from slow and cautious liberal to radical liberal. The political views and agenda of true conservatives, true members of the right, has been set out of bounds axiomatically. This allows the regime to control the discourse, forcing those who occupy the position of cautious liberal to always be policing their right-wing boundary to ensure that no meaningful threat to the regime, broadly conceived, will emerge. This is the role of the cautious liberal who often takes for himself the label conservative. As this leftward drift continues, ever-pursuing progress, more and more groups that used to be tolerated as part of mainstream political discourse, such as traditionally-minded practicing Christians, will sooner or later be considered outside the Overton window of acceptable views. So what is to be done? How do you resist this dynamic? How do you resist as Christians? You have been listening to a free preview. To listen to the remainder of this episode and gain access to the full archive of Seeking the Hidden Thing audio and written materials, head over to the main page at SeekingTheHiddenThing.com and subscribe. Your support is greatly appreciated.